Hello, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, September 8, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story on Page 4. We will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph, which begins with next morning I and ends with we stayed broke. Today's readers are Lindsay W., Alice G., Ginger C., Nancy P., and Craig F. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, September 7th, 2020, are 15,298. That's 15298 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting and 15301. That's 15301 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lindsay W. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning. This is Lindsay W. I am a compulsive overeater recovered in Houston, Texas. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lindsay W. I will now ask Alice G. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, Alice G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Wisconsin. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Alice G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter one, Bill's story on page four. We will be reading and commenting on the, two, on the second paragraph which begins with next morning I and ends with we stayed broke. I will now ask 
Ginger C to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. This is Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater in snowy Colorado. So next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought that I had better go to Canada. By the following spring, we were living in our accustomed style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time we stayed broke. Uh, so this morning, I telephoned my friend in Arizona and said, help me, what is this paragraph about? So I'll do my best to repeat those words from that friend uh, down south. Um, but uh, the friend that he goes to visit in Canada is Dick Johnson. And I always wondered about this Elba St. Helena piece. And Elba was when Napoleon reconquered his territory. So Bill's feeling pretty good. He escaped this crash in 29 and everything that's happening back in New York. And he feels like he escaped, escaped uh, that great nightmare and has, uh, yeah, that he's good to go. Uh, and he says, no St. Helena for me, because St. Helena is where Napoleon that's when his army got defeated. That was his end, but it wasn't an end at this point for Bill. But of course, drinking catches up with me again and my generous friend has to let me go. And then this time we stayed broke. And why do we stay broke? Probably because Bill couldn't hold a job. He's drinking, he's alcoholic, and that's all that was on his mind. So, um, you know, it's just real clear, wherever you go, there you are. Uh, the alcoholism, is in us so we can't escape through these geographics but we sure try we try to change the channel any way we can uh, to prevent what's coming because it's relentless addiction is relentless it wants me dead and its mission is to get me back it's progressive uh, progressive in nature and it's not given up so again wash rinse repeat here we go people 24-hour daily reprieve that's all we have we start brand new right now and, you know, God, who would you have me be and what would you have me do? I just want to be of service. And most importantly, I want to stay in this practical program of action. I want to be fit spiritually so I can help that person, whoever God puts in front of me. And if I'm thinking a little too much of Ginger, that's my third step problem daily, thinking way too much of me, I'm going to miss it. I'm not going to see it. So I'll just end, you know, today is my beautiful daughter's 25th birthday. A quarter of a century. I just can't believe how time flies. Days sometimes are long, but these years, they just fly by. And when she was three, she started calling me nummy num num. Don't like it. Still don't like hearing it today, but I share this with you because why was a three-year-old child calling their mother nummy num num? Probably because I was so into the food and disconnected. She didn't have that feeling that she was hoping for. And that's the reality, because when I eat, all I want is the food. If I'm not eating it, I'm thinking about it. Where am I going? How am I going to get it? And today, it's so amazing because of this grace of God. It's nothing to do with me. All I do is sabotage and destruct over and over and over. But this window rolled down. This opportunity of grace came into my heart on October 30th of 2015. And today, to be alive awake, no longer in a food coma, walking around like I'm a zombie, 
And I don't have that nickname anymore. You can't call me that because I am present. I am looking at you in the eye. I am listening when you speak. I am hearing you. And I just am so grateful to God and so grateful to a dear friend who's on her way to possibly give birth to a little baby girl today. And I know that baby's in great hands because that mama is recovered and rocking it. So with that, I pass. Have a beautiful day and be grateful you're not in Colorado. We went from 90 yesterday to 32 in snow this morning. Absolutely insane. insane. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks so much, Ginger C. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you would like to share on the second paragraph on page four in the big book, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial and I'll try to hear them. Elena C. Elena C. Nicole P. Nicole P. Sally A. Sally A. I heard Elena C., Nicole P., and Sally A. What, did someone else give their name and I didn't hear it? Maya K. Maya K. Amy K. Amy Shelly C.R. And Shelly C.R. Okay, why don't we go with the six of you? Elena C., Nicole P., Sally A., Maya K., Amy K., and Shelly C.R. Elena C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Hello? I do. Uh, yes, Elena C., I do hear you. I was just muted myself. Go right ahead. Okay. Yeah, so good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for your share and your, um, and your service work. I um, was struck by how good um, Bill felt when he had to return to their lifestyle. And, you know, I'm thinking about how I feel when I am basing my happiness and what all the material possessions that are around me. And, um, you know, and I believe that if I would just have this and I would just have that, um, I would be great. And, you know, and I, as I look in the past, it, that has never, ever, ever, ever came true for me. It was just some happiness that, that kind of lasted for about 10 minutes or so. And then other stuff came out. And, you know, in this program, I'm fortunate that I learned to not do that, not base my happiness on what's around me or what other people do, but to continue to search for my higher power. So my happiness, come, my happiness, my calm, my security comes from my higher power. Now what a big house I have. And 
You know, um, I think, Bill, I'm not 100% sure, but this is just something that I heard that he did suffer from a mental um, health condition and, you know, just it sounds a little manic here. But, um, uh, and then he also had some depression going on and, and like, it's just he was in very, very high, high regards of happiness and then um, started drinking and never was never able to get a job and um, and here he here he is you know having the 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 day the house of his dreams and he did not get he could not stay sober because he did not have higher power so with that I'll pass thank you bye bye thanks Elena C Nicole P. Thank you. Um, next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought I had better go to Canada. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, Nicole P., um, a grateful recovering compulsive reader from Georgia. And, yeah, he telephoned that friend. He had plenty of money left and thought I had better go to Canada. Um, I know for me, um, especially this year, it's like, yeah, you know, before coming back in the room, I, you know, I tried everything in my head, like, oh, let me try to go this place and that place. And I also telephoned friends and asked him about certain places because I was looking for that geographical care. I was looking for that thing that not only helped me financially, but also I thought, oh, this time I wouldn't binge. I wouldn't binge if I was in Korea, I wouldn't binge if I was in Canada. I wouldn't binge if I am in the island. Surely that environment would stop me from binging because it's so beautiful and it's going to help me. Being by the water, I'm not going to binge. Um, and, you know, going further, by the following spring, we were living our custom lifestyle. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, he was he was rolling in the dough. And they were living their accustomed lifestyle. But this shows me that, you know, that myth that I had in my mind coming into these rooms four years ago uh, in the early 20s, thinking, oh, you know, well, I can't identify with him because, you know, I I didn't, you know, help people make millions of dollars. And a custom lifestyle for me was, you know, having a decent condo, a roof over my head, and just getting by. But it helped me see, too, it doesn't matter that he's a Caucasian male in the 1930s, he still had a disease. So no matter my age, my ethnic background, the money I have in my bank account, that's not going to stop me from having a disease. And going down, I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba, no St. Helena for me. He went back to that saying, you know, I had arrived. And right there lets us know that he's clearly in the bottle, and just like anyone who's an addict is in their addiction, because, I mean, hey, I arrived. We're back in our custom lifestyle. I conquered. Look at me. The, the, stock, crash, uh, the stock market is crashed. People are jumping off buildings. And guess look at me. I'm making it, and I'm making it in a big way. The key word there is I. 
I know for me, when I was working an eye program, I was usually in the food, or as we say in the rooms, I was um, working a free diet pro. Thank you, free diet program group support. This time we stayed broke because he wasn't ready to put the bottle down. And for anyone on on this phone who can relate to this or even not relate, I say to them, you are not alone. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole P. Sally A. Hi, good morning. Sally A. from New Jersey. Haven't shared here in a while. Thank you, moderator, and thank you, everyone who shared. Um, I'm glad to have read this part this morning. I remember thinking that I would never lose a job for my addiction, like, you know, but then when I thought about my work history and my behavior around my work history, and it did cause me to get fired a a couple of times, actually. (laughs) So I think the more I, I, I become spiritually fit, the more mature I get, and the more I look at things realistically, and 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 no longer in denial about what kinds of behavior because it's not necessarily the food it's also the behaviors it's the absent-mindedness you know they're not caring about anything but myself and what my instant gratification will get me um also you know i too thought that the solution was other than spiritual you know i thought if i i changed careers because i thought the uh the career that I had initially was the purpose of me overeating and I wasn't happy so maybe if I do this I'll be happy and I won't eat and it didn't work because the food still followed me uh and I'm so grateful for the message of you know this may be a a, a physical problem it may be a psychological problem maybe an emotional problem irritable discontented and all that but the solution is spiritual the solution is spiritual, not financial, not anything else. It's a spiritual solution. And I and I get that today and I'm so grateful. And um with that I pass. Have an awesome day everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Sally A. Maya K. Maya. Press star one to unmute. Hmm. I think I heard a Maya K, but um, is that you, Maya? Okay. Um, let's go with Amy K then. Maybe it was Amy K all along. I don't know. Good morning, it's Amy Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater, a recovering compulsive overeater in New York. Grateful to be here. Oh, so here's how I'm relating to this. Next morning, I telephoned a friend. So um, the next morning, I um, would call an old sponsor. And he had plenty of money left. She was, She was still thin. And I thought I'd better get thin too. So by the following spring, I was also thin. And I felt like I had, I was Napoleon. I've got it now. I'm good. Got the food under control. I'm thin. 
And, uh, but the food would always catch up with me and my sponsor would let me go (laughs) or I would disappear. Um, and I would stay in the food for who knows how long. Um, so what, um, what I was missing was a spiritual solution. And um, I'm grateful to know that today and to know that, you know, putting the food down and getting the physical recovery is, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't important to me. But what I know I really need today is the, um, is a spiritual solution. And so that's what I'm, I'm working for. That's all I have. Thanks. Thanks very much, Amy Kay. I'm going to call on Maya Kay again, just in case Maya is back and available. Star one to unmute Maya. Okay, Is this Maya Kay? Hi, is this Maya? Oh, good. Yes. We, oh, we waited and you showed up. Welcome. Go uh, right ahead. Hi, I'm Maya, a cover compulsive overeater, bulimic. Um, sorry about that. I have new headphones, so I don't know how to work them. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, thanks so much for letting me share. I um, I did relate to this uh, paragraph um, a lot because I remember like 25 years ago um, thinking that I could. Um, I just remember. The, the craziness of the geographic and just feeling like in college, just feeling like, oh, if I go home, I'm going to eat too much or summer break. And, and if I could just go somewhere else and my friend offering her gorgeous condo in the city. And and it was like, I just was trying to control everything. I think it's disease. And um, I ended up going to her condo. It was like I had arrived living in the village and had this great job. I ended up bottoming out there more than anywhere else. And it was like a deep pit. And I just ruined that place. He was so pissed off. I was a total addict there. And I, um, you know, I didn't just replace the toilet paper or the paper towels when I ran out. I was just so self-absorbed. and couldn't stop moving with shades out like a total junkie and messed up a great job and ended up going to a hospital. And even there, I was trying to find the perfect hospital, like none of this 12-step stupid stuff. I was like, maybe I just need a really good psychiatrist. And eventually, I realized I just had to put my recovery first, and that was the only thing that worked. I I went home, I just visualized it and saw. I just didn't go to a lot of meetings. I just went home. My recovery first. I thought it was the only thing that would work. And over and over, that's what ends up happening. Anytime I've been struggling, you know, with anything, I put that first um, before everything. Um, or I would lose everything. Um, whatever it is, it can't be more important than my job, than my relationship. My recovery has to be number one. And I see that now. 
and um, and I, it just has to be that way. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful I know that, and I feel safe. So, and thank God for the Zoom meetings, and thank God for the phone meetings, because um, I just, you know, any way I can reach out um, to this program, I'm, you know, lucky um, that that's where I go. It's like a lifesaver, um, this uh, program. And it doesn't seem like it would be, but it is. The only thing I've ever given is 30 years later I've been in the program. And it's where I can continue to find peace. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, thanks, Maya Kay. Uh, Shelly, C-R, and then we'll take more names for sharing. Good morning, this is Shelly C.I., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern Minnesota. Um, this paragraph brings me back to my ups and downs uh, with weight loss and trying different things and for moments of time feeling like I was successful. Um, I remember first coming into the rooms of OA back in like 2014, I believe it was, and I went to a meeting and I gained bunch of weight and I was injured and so I couldn't exercise and so um, I remember going to that meeting and then leaving that meeting thinking nah I'm still good um, and I didn't return until 2018 um, and you know I, I went and I did something else and I lost weight but again it's this this constant yo-yo of ups and downs and going through all the different sizes of clothing uh, you know, not being able to just have one wardrobe, but having like four different wardrobes. And just the insanity of that constant obsession with food. And I'm so grateful that my higher power um, helped me get worse in order for me to get better. Um, because I stayed in the food eventually, you know, eating caught up with me again. Um, and it's only through this program that, you know, the food is found just a symptom of things and experiencing food neutrality um, at this point in time. And, and, I mean, it's just such a miraculous thing. But it's only, you know, this daily reprieve that only works when I work it. Um, and so now uh, where things are at with this program is I'm able to uh, move through life and live life and feel life. Uh, versus how things were before um, with everything such a focus on food and numbing out whatever emotions came up and not even recognizing what they were. So I'm just very grateful to be here today, and I learned so much from everyone's shares. I so appreciate that, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Sally C.R., all right, I just want to let you know, in case you got on the line late, where we are. We read the second paragraph on page four, next morning I, and that ends with we stayed broke. And if you haven't shared in the past couple of days, uh, weekdays on this line, then we invite you to unmute with star one and give me your first name and last initial if you want to share on this paragraph. Colleen N. Colleen N. Oh, I didn't catch that after Colleen. Could you repeat your name? 
Stacy R. Is it Stacy R? Yes, ma'am. Gotcha, Stacy R. Thank you. Thank you. Chris M. Jet. I think I heard Chris M. Is that correct? Yes, thanks. Jan S. Yes, Jan S. Thank you. Anybody else want to get in the queue? Or did I miss any names? I heard Colleen N, Stacy R, Chris M, and Jan S. Linda D. Okay. Linda D, I'll add you in. Okay, let's go with the five of you. Colleen N, it's your turn. Good morning, Colleen N from sunny Florida. Um, recovering food addict and general all-around food abuser. I just wanted to say, um, this just reminded me of a saying we had in the Keys. Change your attitude, change your latitude. And it reminds me that that's really not true. It doesn't matter um, for me what diet it was. It was all just temporary, um, just like for Bill, all his little temporary fixes, and he would get back on top again. And it also reminds me of um, putting myself in the driver's seat and not, not allowing God to help guide me through my life. I would just take control of the reins and decide that I was going to change. I'll do the, you know, whatever the diet of the week is, whatever the, the exercise program of the month is, and all the things that society said I was supposed to be doing to be a very specific size so I would be worthy. Um, I would just change to whatever that was because that was going to be the magic bullet, the, the do-all, die-all. And no matter what size or what the numbers on the scale said, I still mentally wasn't where my body was. So if I was a zero, a size zero, I still mentally was not a size zero or a good good enough. So I never fixed the stuff that was going on in my head and in my heart, and that's what's brought me to this program. And so maybe this time a change in attitude about my weight loss is going to be what I need. So with that, I pass, and I thank you guys. I look forward to our meetings every day. Thank you all for your service. Have a great day. Thank you, Colleen and JCR. Stacy, star one to unmute. Good morning. There you are. Good morning, Stacy R. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is Stacy R. Grateful, recovering from um, from Oklahoma, and thank you for your service. Um, I wanted to say that I love the program and love the um, the sunshine that it's given me and the peace that it's given me, but. This is a good reminder that even um, six months into my plan, when I, I had it, I was rocking it. I was, I did all my, I made all my calls. I talked to my sponsor every day. I was doing my journaling. I was reading literature. I went to my meetings. 
I called in every day. And then I started kind of feeling like, yeah, I have this, you know, I have this, like God and I were good. Um, and then I stopped calling fellows and I stopped calling in meetings and started listening to music instead. And uh, I stopped journaling in the morning. I stopped because I had this and God and I were good. And I'm <clears throat> sorry, my, my higher power and I <clears throat> were good. And I started struggling and I didn't know why. Um, it's just a reminder to me that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think, what I think when I have it, that again, with the daily reprieve, it happens even when I'm in program that I, I can't take it for granted that it, it's, I have to work the steps and, and I can tell because I start struggling. The food is the last to go. I start struggling and then I have to pick up those tools again and I, I have to make sure that I'm doing my steps and I have to make sure that I'm calling my sponsor and calling my fellows and calling in, even though my heart is beating a thousand miles an hour. Um, and I just want to say that uh, I appreciate you all. And thank you so much for being there. Even whenever I, I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Thanks so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Stacy R. Chris M. Hi, it's uh, Chris M. I'm from near um, Toronto in Canada. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm really happy to be here. This is my first time sharing on the line. Um, so thank you, everyone, for your service. Uh, what resonates with me uh, through this reading is the line, um, his friend that had plenty of money, so he better go to Canada. Uh, for me, moving geographically, I... I did that so many times in my life, and I always thought that was going to be the solution to the problem. Uh, so Bill moves geographic locations and feels this is going to be a solution. His friend has money. He goes. He starts living in his, um, the lifestyle that he's accustomed to. But, of course, uh, it wasn't the solution, and he bought himself again. And that's just like me. Um, I moved since my 20s. So over 20 years, I moved three different cities, always looking for better opportunities uh, and that would help make my life better, never recognizing uh, that it was my disease that was the problem and my lack of a spiritual solution was the root of the issue of why my life was totally unmanageable. didn't matter where I lived. <clears throat> it didn't matter what job I was working. The problem was within. So four cities, multiple apartments, and then buying and selling three homes, I finally realized that the problem was me, not where I was living or where I was working. And when I finally admitted this, you know, and re start realized that, you know, I truly did have an addiction and a disease, um, found this program, found a sponsor, started working the steps. That's when I started to understand uh, the importance of the spiritual solution and having that relationship with my higher power and, and consulting my higher power daily about the guidance about, you know, what um, what his will was for my life, that's when things improved. Um, that's when I started to see my, you know, the solution, my life becoming manageable. So 
I'm really grateful for that and, and grateful to feel um, some serenity and peace in my life and that I don't have to constantly be seeking the next best thing um, and always looking ahead. I can be in today just for today and with my higher, higher power's help, I can be finally at peace. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Jan S. Good morning. Thank you, moderator. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. This is an awesome, awesome meeting today. Um, I'm Jan. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive reader from uh, St. Augustine, Florida. And um, what I what I um, touched upon with the reading was that um, so he he was still in a you know uh, a state of n- no spiritual recovery because he you know again was relying on other people and things outside of himself to help help him feel better so you know he bill and he up and left with his wife and went to canada and yeah yeah as long as i have enough money and great surroundings everything's going to be fine you know he was whistling in the dark and that um you know he thought well this is it this is how you feel happy this is how you feel great meanwhile you know he was still drinking and he ended up losing that opportunity because of that um and that geographical cure is a very, very enticing, uh, enticing call. To, you know, um, I moved to Florida on this 20 years ago, and um, it, you know, I just thought it was time, and and everything worked out. It was it was an amazing uh, gift from higher power that I choose to call God. But I had a really big, you know, crash. And not necessarily because I moved, but just uh, you, you take what you get with you. And if you don't, if you don't continue to grow spiritually, the stuff continues to grow. And um, so it was another um, transformation for me in terms of spiritual growth. And I'm grateful that I'm here. But um, yeah, so, and the part I really saw in him was his lack of humility in the beginning. You know, okay, great. So everybody's killing themselves here in New York. I'm going to call my friend in Canada and, you know, get away from all these losers. And there was no, uh, no humility in him at all. And that's, and when I lose my state of humility, that makes me unteachable and uh, I'm in trouble. You know, I'm in trouble every time. So uh, thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, geographical cures don't work. Um, the only thing that I can rely on in, in my life is my is my higher power that I choose to call God because nothing else works for me, whether it's my um, food addiction or um, my thinking or any of the behaviors. It's, it's all about me going to God. So thank you all for sharing and being here today. Bye now. Thank you, Jana. Linda D. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. in Meriden, Connecticut. I um, I'm recovered almost seven years, and um, I love this meeting. I love you, all of you. It's very hard for me to share, and I know God wants me to share this. Um. My life was shattered by this disease 
when I was probably about 21 years old. I was in NYU in New York. I was a student. And um, I'm going to do this without crying right now. Um, I think the thing that is the most valuable, I've heard so many valuable things this morning, the thing that's very important for me to hear, so I'll say it and I hope that it helps you, is that I want to unmask shame. And that's why I'm speaking, because um, make no mistake, this is an actual physiological disease, a physical disease. It's brain function. It isn't going anywhere. But I'm responsible, once I recognize that that's so, to do something about it. And of course, then there's the personality part of it that's all whacked out from, and I'll say it simply, uh, not being good enough that turns into self-hatred. And that happened to me at a very young age, and so, uh, and we're going to read about it tomorrow. I did have to come back home to my parents, and I did not have this big career. Even though I had a lot of gifts, I still have a lot of gifts. Um, they, they are being actualized now. But the point is, I was leveled. I had nothing at all except intellect. And I tried everything that was available to help myself, meaning psychiatry and um, therapy and all of those things that are very valid things and have their place. Nothing, nothing, nothing changed me except the grace of God. And I was, I didn't want to ever admit it, even in program, but I was a snob and I was raised to be, to believe in the intellectual. Intellectual is fine. This is not an irrational program. But this is about intuition. And that can only be developed by a deep and abiding trust and relationship with a higher power. And that higher power is within. And I didn't know that. And my God, I'm so grateful to God and all of you to know that. And I pass. Oh, thanks, Linda D. Uh, does anybody else want to share on this second paragraph on page four that hasn't shared in the past couple of days? Laura M. Was it Laura M. as in Mary? Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Laura. Anyone else? Denise B. Anita Denise L. Denise B. Gotcha, and Anita L., and I think we'll have time for all three of you. We'll see how it goes. Laura M., go right ahead. Thank you. This is uh, Laura M., walking in recovery in southwest Missouri. You know, um, it kind of took a while for the thoughts to gel in my mind, but how I identify with this part of the story is I'm hearing a story of fear and ego and ignorance and self-determination um, and that's how I relate you know I things would 
my life had fear. And I had an immense fear of failing. I didn't, I, I didn't feel that I was allowed to fail, that if I failed, everything would come crashing down. And, and that was my ego, not that I was aware at the time, you know, what was driving that was this fear and ego. So I would look around for another way to build success and to combat that failure. And whether it was uh, little geographic moves or career moves or relationship moves, always chasing the success, always running from the failure. But as was said, wherever I go, there I am. But what I carried with me in this fear and ego was, you know, what we have is this culturally appropriate thing called self-determination, and my self-determination drove me into all of these choices, and I just kept running, running and running and running, but there I was, and I would continue to fail, and what I paused to think about today was, I wasn't like this because I was bad. I wasn't a bad person. I was ignorant. You know, that's, you know, as was said, this is a physical, physiological thing going on in my mental state, in my physical state, and I was simply ignorant, and I was doing the best I could, and the best I could was living in a protective stance and unfortunately doing things to myself in order to run from myself. What I don't, what we don't hear yet in this part of the story, and it wasn't part of my story yet, was surrender. Because that's the only answer that finally comes that is true for me, a true answer, is to surrender the fear, surrender the ego, surrender the determination, surrender to a true solution. And I look forward to getting to that part of the story with you all. Have a wonderful day. Thank you all for your service. I pass. Thank you, Laura M. Denise B. Hi, I'm Denise B. Gratefully recovered compulsive breacher in Dublin, Ireland. Thanks, everybody, for being on the line and for everybody doing service. Yeah, I just wanted to come in there because you know, that paragraph really struck me, um, especially that line. I felt like Napoleon returning from Alba, no St. Helena for me. And, you know, it really reminded me of that paragraph in We Agnostics, uh, page 55, when it talks about God being obscured by calamity, pomp and worship of other things. And and that was absolutely my life in addiction, you know, worshipping something else and the highs that would come from that instant hit of worship and then the lows that would come because nothing ever filled uh, that broken soul within me that I was constantly chasing, be it the food, the career, the geographical locations. I moved all over the world, you know, the five continents I did them and I was still left facing myself and looking at myself in the mirror at the end of them. And, and I suppose I'm also here reflecting as I was listening to the amazing shares during this meeting, though, is, you know, on any given day as well, I have to be really mindful that I can switch into that space if I'm not really connected to my higher power, which I call God. 
it's so easy for me to get a rush from worshipping something other than um, the God of my understanding, you know, and that old familiar high that can come with it, that buzz. But that buzz always leads to the downturn emotionally. And uh, thank God for step 10s, 11s, 12s, and in fact, all the 12 steps, because they allow me to live in the world today without those extreme emotions, you know, because that's what I really got from that paragraph. It just took me right back to those extreme ends of the spectrum, the extreme highs, the extreme lows, the extreme self-love, the extreme self-hatred, all of those extremes of emotions. And that's not my truth today by the grace of God and, and this program and fellowship, as long as I maintain my spiritual fitness. So I'm grateful to be here today, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Denise D. Anita L. Plenty of time. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I wanted to share because I wanted to add to the geographic cure in a different way. It doesn't have to be a physical move, uh, a home, a home move. Uh, what I wanted to share, kind of embarrassing, but um, I don't exactly remember why I felt embarrassed. However, I had a doctor and I was so embarrassed about whatever happened that I had to do a geographic cure to another doctor, the same type of doctor. I just couldn't go back. I, I just felt so much shame and guilt and, uh, you know. So it doesn't have to be a home to move away from me, from self. Uh, and of course, just like have has been shared, you know, we take ourselves with us. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully I learned from that experience because I never remembered again having to leave a doctor because I was so embarrassed about my behavior. Uh, and then also I wanted to share another geographic cure. This was a move to a home from one state to another. Originally I lived in Pennsylvania and then because of my husband's job we moved to New Jersey and then we came back to Pennsylvania again. And coming back to Pennsylvania, I was at a very top weight again, and I was embarrassed again to go back to my old meetings. And so I had a decision to make. Do I go back to the Brandywine intergroup meetings, or do I go to the Philadelphia area intergroup meetings? And I was midpoint where we moved to and my shame of my body and the fact that I couldn't live in recovery consistently brought me to a different group of meetings. And there I did find myself. And um, one difference that I do want to say, I'm a slow learner, that um, I am now recognizing, after going through the 12 steps again um, recently, I am now going to my higher power and going to a spiritual answer rather than the food 
it's a change for me, guys. And if it can happen for me, it can happen to anybody. But this last week, I've had a couple different days where very emotional things are happening, and I am writing things out, discovering them, seeing how my inner child felt wounded, and recognizing, thank you, what she needs, and it's possible to change because it has to come from within. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anita L. You're the last one of us to share with this first hour of vision this morning. And thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, September 8, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 15,310. That's 15310. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Sure. Um, Nancy P. calling in from West Newton, Massachusetts, recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.